You know what's bullshit about horror movies? What's that? It's the final girl. It's never the final boy or the final guy or anything. It, I understand. Oh, you're white and you're male, Dave. How can you be saying that, Dave? Yeah, Dave. <laughs> Come on. We've been shit on long enough in the horror genre. When's it the white guy's turn? <laughs> it's been so long Ooh. since we've had a chance. Uh, you, hold on. Hear me out, though, with this one. You do the final boy <laughs> and you make it entirely Adam Divide. Okay, that would be that'd be different. I think I'm on board though. You put him in anything, I'm gonna be on board. I feel like at <laughs> now this when point, you say entirely Adam Divine, are you talking like No, me? it's not a Malkovich situation. It's not. <laughs> but maybe like throw the whole final girl trope for a little loopy doop there, and at the end of it, like you have him and you have the girl, and the girl dies, he goes, Oh, Come on! In his comedic way. Nah, of I thought his I was finally going to get some. Go. <laughs> he is like discount Jim Carrey, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> it kind of is. We're going to get there. I love him so dearly, too. So much. But uh, we'll get there. This week, it was Brian's turn to beer us all a movie, and he picked one that never heard of. Same. <laughs> Thanks for doing the research. Thanks for putting in the time there, big guy. Yeah, I was like, I got to find a movie that is of the same vein as a last action hero. And I was like, last, final, okay, that's similar. And also, awareness that you're in a movie. And then after we're done recording, you're like, oh man, I could have gone with, you know, Purple Rose of Cairo. And you know <laughs> that as problematic as Woody Allen is, I think his films are fucking brilliant. And you chose. I chose. You chose. I intentionally not chose to give not me a to. gift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did do that. I set you up for a gift and you pretty much killed me and then jerked off on my corpse. I mean, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that second part. This week we were talking about The Final Girls from 2015, directed by famous director Todd Strauss Schulson. Rolls right off the tongue when you say it. Can I tell you that I almost picked a different one of his movies for this week? Really? <laughs> I didn't know he had multiple ones to pick from. Oh, he only has three movies. <laughs> what was the one that you definitely were never considering? Uh, a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, the other one was Isn't It Romantic? The 2019 Rebel Wilson romantic comedy where she's aware she's in a romantic comedy. I'd be totally for that. Rebel Wilson is a treasure. This guy has uh, a penchant for doing meta movies starring Pitch Perfect cast members. It's a weird spot to be in when you <laughs> Some, pigeonhole yourself there, but gotta do if it. it works, I mean, keep rolling, right? <laughs> I only do movies with the Pitch Perfect cast and only when they know they're in a movie. <laughs> That's so specific, but I guess I'm on board. He's working. I'm not. So Gotta have him. a shtick, I guess. You want to get right into this thing? It's weird that we're talking about a horror movie. This is not a it genre is. we're usually playing. This is one that we, we tend to avoid. Um, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but yeah, we should just get right into it. Our first category is story motivation of our 10 category system. And for this one, we pull the synopsis right off of Wikipedia. And Wikipedia says, Max Cartwright, played by Thaisa Farmiga. Is that how you say your name? I have no the idea. The first part of it. The second part of it, I get it. Yes. I'm pretty sure it's Thaisa. You know, that one girl from American Horror Story. Her sister's very famous, and also much, much older than her. It's weird. It's like a 21-year age gap between her and Vera Farmiga. Oscar-nominated Vera Farmiga. She's yeah, fantastic and up in the air. A bigger gap between her and her sister than there is with her and the person playing her mother in this movie, Malin Ackerman. Who I was surprised to see. I always forget that she exists. She's like the Spanish Inquisition in that way. <laughs> You never expect her. You never expect her. And then when you do see her, she's not wearing a lot. <laughs> That's true. Um, PG-13, this movie. So she actually keeps all of her clothes. Well, most of her clothes on. PG-13 was a choice. We'll get there. Yes, we will. Um, Max waits in the car while her actress mother, Amanda, auditions for a film. When she gets back, Amanda complains that she'll only be known as a scream queen. Nancy from the 1986 slasher film camp bloodbath which has become a cult classic on the way home the two get into a car accident and amanda <laughs> is killed i love this scene so much because as you're watching it it's going on for so long that you're like 
Just crash already. We know it's going to happen. Just crash already. <laughs> we all know the premise of the film. Come on, let's let's crash the car. Let's get also, this thing over with. It's the most CGI car you've ever seen, so you know something's going to happen to it. Well, yeah, because uh, I have to look up this director's name yet again. Todd Strauss-Schulson, of course. Uh, he actually talked to Christopher Nolan and said, I heard you're not using any CGI in Oppenheimer. Can I use it all in this thing <laughs> eight years before? Yeah. That's the, well, that's why he couldn't use it for Oppenheimer. It had all been used up it's by the final girls. Oh, my God. It's a $6.5 million budget, and I couldn't have gone to the actors. It couldn't have gone to production. Yeah. It, it went just strictly into various bits of very clear CGI. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite thing about the estimated budget on this movie is that Wikipedia listed at $4.5 million, but IMDb listed as an estimated $6,538,513, which is a very specific number. Could just be good accounting. Could be. Good bookkeeping. <laughs> the Final Girls, very known for the way that they keep their books and their receipts and their expenses. Three years later, on the anniversary of her mother's death, Max is studying with her friend Gertie, played by Alia fucking Shawcat, and Chris, played by Alexander Ludwig. Yeah, doesn't get the fucking, the second guy. Yeah, Whoever well, that guy is. I, most of the people in this movie are not getting it, but... There's some who absolutely deserve it, though. There are some. Gertie's stepbrother, Duncan, played by Thomas Middleditch. Whoa! That's a choice that you made! Hey! I just don't like him as a person. Just in general? Yeah. Is it because of Silicon Valley? No. Have you ever seen Silicon Valley? I've never seen Silicon Valley. Oh, God. I feel like you dig it. Like I, I it's right I up your would. alley in terms of the type of humor that's there. It's one that's been on my list for a very long time, but you know, there's so many shows. How about this? Because I am a good friend, Brian, and I don't just say, hey, that's really good, and then not actually hype something up at all, like you did with me with the Righteous Fucking Gemstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you told me, like, yeah, Righteous Gemstones is pretty good. And that was it. That was as far as it went. And I started watching it, and I physically texted you with my little fingies and said, hey, go fuck yourself. And you went, whoa, 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 why? <laughs> what did I do now? <laughs> and I explained why. And you went, yeah, that's fair. I yeah, should have fair. hyped that up a little bit more. All right, well, then listen to me now when I say, go watch The Bear. Well, The Bear's terrific. I don't think that's a secret to most people. I think most people know this. Yes. Except I, I saw a Variety article about The Bear because season two came out uh, yeah. recently. Mm -hmm. And the Variety article, because Variety is just, they got their own fingers up their own buttholes at this point. They're fucking idiots. Especially with the strike going on. Don't get me started about the strike. They put out an article saying that uh, viewership for the start of the Bear Season 2 was like 2,000% higher or whatever than the start of Season 1. It's like, well, yeah, it's an established show now. Right. Are you that deprived for stories at this <laughs> point? Guys, more people started watching from the beginning of the second season than the beginning of the first. It's weird. How about that? It's like people heard about it and started watching it later. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of the Louis C.K.'s uh, bit that he does. I heard it, so I went out. So I, went, I think it's a Dane Cook bit, actually. It's, oh, jeez. Slightly less two. problematic. <sighs> I can't believe I confused those two just now for a lot of reasons. For so many. But um, apologies to the entire Cook family on that one. <laughs> I will jerk off in front of you to make up well, for it, I guess. The With entire Cook family, except for Dane's brother. That guy sucks. Who's Dane Cook's brother? Uh, he was his accountant, and he ran off with all of Dane Cook's money, and I think is now in prison. It would be kind of funny if he ran off with $6,538,513 <laughs> in 2015. That would be pretty ironic, actually. Watch Silicon Valley. That's how we got... To Dane Cook's right, Thomas brother. Middleditch. We got we got there. There was a there's a long winding road, but Silicon Valley. You'd like it, okay? Gertie's stepbrother Duncan is a horror film fanatic. He shows up and persuades Max to attend a special double feature showing off Camp Bloodbath One and Two. At the screening, Max finds Vicky, played by Nina Fucking Dobrev, of all the people in this movie. Couldn't believe it either. She is Chris's possessive ex-girlfriend and her former best friend, and she's also at this thing because she heard Chris was going to be there. During the film, the theater is accidentally set ablaze. In the weirdest way possible, because we see a bottle of vodka spill and very, very slowly lazy river itself 
to the back of the theater? Now, look, there's this new genre that has taken TikTok <laughs> by storm, and it is bottles rolling down staircases. Oh, yeah, they, it's fascinating. They break and spill everywhere. This bottle is very well made. It is very well made, but when was the last time you were in a movie theater? Uh, last week. Do you remember how when you were walking uphill towards the screen at the movie theater? <laughs> yeah, always, right? That's how it's done. You dig a hole to put the... the Seats in, and uh, you stare upwards. At you it. set the the screen on the ceiling. If this isn't an IMAX dome where you're watching the King Tut <laughs> thing for the ninetieth time. And then they went into the tomb, and it felt like I was falling. Water ran upwards. A liquid ran upwards. It sure did. And <laughs> for this theater to be set ablaze. I like that the guy dropped an entire bottle of vodka and was just fine with it. He's like, oops, oh well, guess I'll just sit here and watch this movie I've probably seen a hundred times. Midnight screening, man. That's the type of attitude you come in with. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to spill this whole bottle of vodka on the floor. And then another guy was just, you know, lighting up. What was it? I think it was just a cigarette. Not even a happy cigarette. Just a proper cigarette <laughs> in his spotlight in the theater. sad cigarette. <laughs> and of course, the ash from that ignites the, the vodka, all in tune with stuff that's happening on the screen. And of course, somebody brought a machete with them because that's allowed at a movie theater. In fact, encouraged. Next time you go see Barbie, bring a machete with you. See how that goes. I don't think I've ever heard you say the word machete. Machete? Because you usually full-blown walk hard it every single time. <laughs> machete? Is there a different way to say a it? Machete? A machete? <laughs> theater gets set ablaze in the... Most ridiculous way possible, because we need to get these characters elsewhere. Elsewhere. Uh, to get to safety, Max cuts a hole in the screen, and the group steps through. Sure, you gotta get into the movie somehow. <laughs> Why not? Why not have the movie world just be behind the screen? $6,538,513. <laughs> Fair. Max, Chris, Gertie, Duncan, and Vicky wake up in the woods. They encounter a van with characters from Camp Bloodbath asking for directions to the camp. The van leaves, only to come back every 92 minutes, and the group realize they're in a time loop and have somehow been transported into the movie. I have questions about how this works. I do too, and mostly it revolves around, are you just standing in one spot for 184 minutes? <laughs> the length of this movie, twice. <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> you guys aren't going to try to explore it. You're just going to stand there and go, what do we do? All in order to get the subtitle of 92 minutes later, two times over. Two times. That was the goal here. So what? Oh, God. That, so does the time loop uh, not advance if they don't go to the next scene? I mean, it absolutely advances no matter what happens because it advanced while they just stood there, right? I would imagine the entire events of the movie played out and then started over again is what right. happened. Yeah. So they could just live in this eternal safety zone, really, outside of this camp if they really yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I feel like that right there, that's a good strategy. It's like, hey, people are dying in this scene. We got a guy who knows this movie really well. Let's just find out where the killing's not going to be happening and hang out there. That's a really good way to go about a lot of things. Like if you're getting chased by a killer and you know where they're not going to be, just go there. Just go to the place. It's not yeah. a hard thing to figure out. I'm not even a final girl and I know this. Exactly. So when the van comes back once again, the group passes themselves off as new camp counselors and they hitch a ride to the camp. They let the first couple of murders play out the way they're supposed to without any interference. And then the movie's antagonist, machete-wielding killer Billy Murphy, who's portrayed by Daniel Norris, no relation, spots them <laughs> but only stares without attacking. So Duncan, the, the, the film uh, buff, horror movie guy, He's like, I'm going to take a selfie with Billy. And then he gets stabbed. Not so much stabbed as he gets a machete hurled at him. From a distance. And I want to tell From you a distance. that I just, well, I was going to say I appreciate you. And then you did that. <laughs> machete still hurt. But man, you are just cruising right along. And I dig it, man. I dig it right now. So this obviously puts a kink in their belief that uh, they'll be spared because they're not actual characters in the movie. I don't know if it would have been more or less interesting if they couldn't die. I agree. Like, I obviously appreciate the stakes that are established, but right. in terms of being an interesting movie, would it have been? Uh, yeah, then it's a whole different dynamic of solving how do we get out of the movie. Right. I'd still watch it. I would too. 
based on a random Google search of movies that are similar to Last Action Hero. (laughs) The group tries to stop the cast from having sex because Billy only shows up whenever somebody has sex. But it's a challenge, and I appreciate that. These are very horny people. Super horny teens. Their entire plan is to not ever have campers there and to just bone. To bone away the time at this camp. Just like any kind of teen slasher flick, you know? Right, right. These, these are horny kids who need to get stabbed. Chris distracts Kurt, who is played by Adam fucking Divine. <laughs> yeah, it is. He is Adam Divining all over the screen. He didn't go hungry, not for a second in this movie. Oh, no. Uh, he rarely does. When he steps in front of a camera, <laughs> magic typically happens. And he just num num nums everything around him, but it's not in a bad way. Right, right. He's over the top in a way that is appreciated. It's like, okay, this guy knows how, he knows where the line is, and he he gets right up to it, but he never crosses it. He does, but he also has established this weird persona of his where he likes to kind of quote-unquote be fit and be surrounded by muscle people, and he leans into that. Often, in any character he plays, it's often, and it just works every time. The the comedy vein that he found from him being a little boy who got hit by a garbage truck when he was little and becoming a big buff man, it is good for you, man. You've somehow connected this. Have you ever seen the movie Jexy? No, what is that? It's like the comedy Adam Devine version of Her, where he's basically obsessed with this. pretty funny. (laughs) You know how funny her was. When Joaquin Phoenix sticks his dingling into the three and a half floppy drive, and he's like, I can't believe this thing's on this tower either. You know what? I was gonna I was gonna defend what I said about Jexy being like the Adam Divine version of her, but I feel like you did a better job than I ever could have. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it immensely. Her I or didn't Jexy? expect to. Jexy. Okay. <laughs> I barely took in her because I watched it right after Captain Phillips and I was still reeling from that movie. What a weird night you had. Well, it was a it was a Oscar screening of all the nominees. So I sat through like, you know, four or five movies that evening. Did you plan out the screening order in advance? No, I went to a movie theater that was doing it. How did you do that? Cuz like the most movies I've seen in a row was 3, and it was when The Dark Knight Rises came out. And they did a whole Batman Begins, then Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises released at midnight, because that was when they properly did it at midnight. Right, back when they did proper midnight releases. And it didn't help at all that that was the last of the bunch, because that movie is not good. (laughs) No wonder you didn't like it after sitting through all I've I've said that before, and if you want a fucking defense of why it's not good, Kate Podcasters episode, I don't give a fuck, it's somewhere back there. Go listen to that. Bat month. It's ridiculous, everybody. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, you think the movie's ridiculous, do you? That was actually my my Tom Hanks from Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. The captain (laughs) of Gotham. (laughs) Tom Hanks has reached the stage of his career where he's just doing accents just to do them. Just just so people be like, man, Tom Hanks made some choices, but he was still good? It's one of those things where I'm not convinced he can actually do an accent, right? but he goes for it and he commits to it. And everyone's like, Tom Hanks, is he, he went for it, and I appreciate that. What a fine actor. <laughs> Elvis was great. <laughs> Elvis exists, yes. <laughs> uh. I like how Baz Luhrmann has made a Romeo and Juliet movie based in modern times, written with the script of how Shakespeare wrote the play Romeo and Juliet, and Elvis was more ridiculous. <laughs> Elvis was more out there, yeah. And the accents. They were accents. I can't even do an impression of Tom Hanks in that movie because I don't even know where to start. I have no clue. So I'll just do Bane instead. You can do Bane for just about anything if you really want to, though. It's true. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, no, Toto. It doesn't look like we're in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> I meant to tell you this. Uh, my kids got into Netflix. Okay. Like the kids' version of Netflix. 
And uh, there's a show called Ask the Storybots. That's I don't know if it's still going or not. I can't figure it out. But there's a lot of weird celebrity appearances, and Kevin Smith's in multiple episodes for reasons. He loves doing kids' shows. But there's one where they're talking about Mother Nature and rain and where does it come from and yada, yada, yada. And like one raindrop gets launched out of a cloud and he goes, yippee-ki-yay, Mother Nature! <laughs> and it's like, that's for the dads. The and dad I is. appreciate it. That's a nice little touch. It is a nice little touch. And Edward Norton's in that for some reason as a TV man, like a TV repairman. I like whenever Ed Norton shows up unexpectedly. Kind of like Malin Ackerman. That's right. Also, Malin Ackerman. I didn't realize, like, she hit on something that I like, and I'm only, like, just starting to accept it. And it's that shorts with the white sneakers. Oh, yeah. It yeah, works. A classic. It works. Shorts and white sneaks. How do we get here? Adam Devine. That's right. He plays Kurt. So Chris distracts Kurt while Max persuades Nancy to stay a virgin. You shouldn't have to persuade somebody. To, it's a, you're telling somebody to not do something, and that is, like, my ideal situation. I do nothing so fucking well. <laughs> she's over here like, hey, mom, don't have sex ever. But maybe she's like scared she's going to uncover a kink she didn't know she had. This just got weird. Yeah, it did. It did. This movie's a weird movie, though. That's true. Vicky sticks with Paula, who is played by Chloe Bridges, who shows up in this movie and then immediately is removed from this movie. <laughs> yep. She's supposed to be the final girl. Right. She's she's the final girl of the movie. Um, And... Gertie goes and bonds with Blake, who's played by Torian Thompson, who I've never heard of before. And he's hardly in the movie, but he seems like the kind of person who'd be the first one to die. So Brian is suggesting. Nope, not really. Torian Thompson's black. It's true. He is. And the way these movies go, they're, they're very by the numbers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but also he has like no lines. He's just kind of there. He's got a real interesting face, too. I don't know why, but that was like my first thought seeing this guy. I was like, you got a face that he's, it does things. And I don't know what's going on with your face, but I either like it or don't like it. I can't figure this thing out. You know what I just realized? The first person that Billy Murphy kills is the hunky hiker. Who's black. Who is also a black yeah. man. All right. So this movie is checking the boxes. It is doing all of the tropes and leaning into a lot of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. So we have the final girl. She arrives, and uh, Gertie brings up the topic of Billy. And the counselors are like, they tell the story of how he, you know, he became Billy back in the 50s. Some kids threw some fireworks into the outhouse while he was in there. He got third-degree burns, and then he started just killing a bunch of people. Fireworks aren't going to do that while you're on the crapper. <laughs> Depends on what they catch in the crapper. It's not like his butthole got lit up. He was holding his face. <laughs> That was to distract from the fact that he had burnt up his entire butthole. <laughs> You're saying that he came out like, oh, no one look at me. My face is hideous. <laughs> While his butthole is literally pink socked, like yeah, hanging out there, just dangling behind him like a puppy's tail. I'm suggesting that if the firework ignited somewhere around the tail end, went all the way through his gastrointestinal system and then burned his face from the inside. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, like that episode of South Park. Why where like, not? If you put the food in your ass, you'll poop out your mouth. That's how it works, though, right? I'm pretty sure. I'm going to say, like, I've lost a few pounds, and that's the way I've been eating lately. <laughs> Just sucking up my smoothies through my butthole, which, that's a skill that they won't let on America's Got Talent. <laughs> Even though Simon fucking loves it. He secretly is all for it. He's like, look, I know we can't put you on the air, but I just got to tell you, fucking brilliant, mate. <laughs> Backstage, he's just shaking your hand. And it's not even like the one-handed, like, hey, good job. He's no, two-handed. He's double-handed. He's absolutely like, two-handed. He's a fan. Big, big, <laughs> big fan. So when they come back from the, uh, the flashback, Gertie's covered in blood, and the counselors are alerted to the fact that the urban legend of Billy is real, and he's coming to kill them. So in a panic, they all try to run. This is all like where the cabin gets all gloopy, right? Like it starts yeah. falling apart almost. The weirdly. flashback kind of descends from the ceiling and surrounds them in black and white. It's actually a pretty cool effect. It's an effect, yeah. It is an effect. It's an effective effect. Sure. <laughs> Kurt and Paula drive off in Paula's car, uh, but when Duncan emerges, still alive from his machete wound, 
the car hits him and then crashes into a totem pole, killing all three of them. It launches Adam Devine out the windshield, and he lands, and his already fucked up real-life legs are now <laughs> over his head in the He's air in the, the most full, CGI way possible. The full scorpion, you know? <laughs> you never go full scorpion. Now aware that the characters who originally survived the movie can also die, Max and the others decide that they're going to save anyone they can. Mostly Max is like, I'm going to save my mom. Can we talk about Max's face? Sure. It's interesting. In the worst way. A lot of interesting faces in this movie. Her face is pretty much like Neo's face in The Matrix when Morpheus is like, you think that's air you're breathing? And like, that's her permanent face from there on in. Whoa. Like her mind's just blown. Yeah, her face is constantly like she just learned Kung Fu. I'm not sure if she's a good actress or not. I cannot figure it out. She's been in so many of these movies. She's known as a scream queen now. She's too. a scream queen. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, I feel like she didn't really come onto the scene until, like, five, six years ago. But she was clearly in this movie eight years ago. I'm bad at math. Time doesn't feel real since COVID. So I just assume everything that I say is five years ago is actually 10. Yeah. Y2K. Last year. Last year. <laughs> Turn off your computer at midnight. Chris Jericho is, is brand new to the WWF. Was it, I don't know when it transitioned. Do you think the WWF transitioned in Florida too, or are they still calling that WWF down there? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I imagined that it, it tried, it definitely attempted the transition, but I don't know if the citizens of Florida allowed it. What I love is that we get to see where our listeners are, and I could promise you there's none there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the. Um, the WWF, actually, they let it transition to WWE, but it still has to use WWF bathrooms. <laughs> and it has to compete in WWF sports. Right. <laughs> Speaking of transitions, they dress Tina, uh, played by Angela fucking Trimber. Yeah, I'm giving her the fucking because she is leaning in at an Adam Devine level. Adam Devine is blushing, probably, at how much <laughs> this girl's leaning in. She is going for it. and. You know what? She earns every fucking she gets in this movie. She's fantastic. She is. Um, they dress Tina in a life jacket and mittens to prevent her from undressing. They want to stop her from getting sexy so that Billy doesn't show up to kill them all. <laughs> because in the script, in the movie, she gets undressed and then Billy shows up. So they're like, no, no, no. So they're exactly. shooting her like she has the goddamn chicken pox or something. They also decide that Max, who is the only remaining virgin, according to Wikipedia, because Wikipedia forgot about Nancy, is the new final girl. And they plot to get Billy's machete into her hands so she can kill him at the end of the film. It's a solid enough plan. Meanwhile, Max and Nancy bond, and they theorize that maybe if Nancy survives, she can go back home with Max and be whoever she wants to be in the real world. Yeah, that's not how that works at all. I mean, who knows? We're, nope, we do. Are, we know how hard the rules. What are the rules when you step through the movie screen? It's just interesting because it's not like a last action year where you have a movie ticket, you could put your hand through a wall and then go into the movie theater. They don't have any clue at this point how to get back. So instead, they're just going to ready player one this thing and work their way through the yeah. movie itself in hopes that it's going to send them back to the real world. Hopefully we finish the movie and we get back home. No problem. And if the movie characters are alive, they come with us, maybe? Maybe? They decide to booby trap the cabin Home Alone style. Then Tina lures Billy to them by performing a striptease, an Adderall-fueled striptease. She goes for it. She absolutely does. Most of the IMDb trivia that I read, and I got bored after like me, 20 me of them, too. was about the Adderall dance. Yeah. Most of it. She improvised this entire sequence after slamming several energy drinks to get in character. No, it's good. You just you kind of put yourself into borderline cardiac arrest by making that sucker beat so hard from all your Red Bulls. Gives you wings. And uh, you dance for a movie that no one's ever going to see nor hear of. Yeah. You know, and you dance like you've never danced before. It's true. She really goes for it. And I just love the song they used here was Cherry Pie. It's just it works. so insanely well picked it is tina panics as billy gets closer and she gets killed when she trips over a tripwire and goes headfirst into a bear trap 
as you do. I mean, naturally, you hit your head in a bear trap, you're going to have a bad time. Sure. <laughs> Blake, Vicky, and Gertie are also killed fighting off Billy. In pretty Wikipedia. quick succession, too. Re- really glosses over that one, Wikipedia. There's a lot of characters in this movie, and then there aren't all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, Vicky comes to terms with Max and being like, hey, we, we were friends, and I was sad. Now we can be friends again. Oh, I'm dying. Yeah, that's actually real time how quickly that happens. <laughs> and I like her reasoning for why she's apologizing now. It's not because she knows she's about to die. This isn't like a gladiator, like, oh, us who are about to die, salute you type situation. Right. She victimizes herself for Max's trauma in the past. She says, I know me and you used to be friends, Max. Uh, when your mom died in that totally CGI car crash, you just kind of completely shut down. And I went and found new friends. Your mom died and you didn't think about how that affected me. <laughs> That's the level we're at in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got a little sad, too, because you might have lost your mom, but I lost my friend. I had to go and watch you in the halls of our school every single day. It's not like your mom's tombstone was wandering those halls and going to, to gymnastics or whatever this school has. I Classic gymnastics class. <laughs> there. You could have gone geometry or like English. You meant gymnastics. I like that. I appreciate it's that. It's because I recently watched Old School again for the first time in a while. That's fair, actually. And thinking of Will Ferrell with his little ribbon dance that he's doing. <laughs> Shut up, everybody! <laughs> Leave me alone. Chris, Nancy, and Max are the last three alive. They flee the cabin and Billy chases after them. And Wikipedia uh, does not mention that it is a very long, very slow motion chase scene. <laughs> The characters point out that things are happening in slow motion, and then we luckily get to see it, I guess. They attempt to escape into a flashback, but Chris is stabbed and Billy kidnaps Nancy. Max finds her at Billy's barn hideout, and the two women fight him, which results in Max getting stabbed before they both escape. Not great. That's not what you want if you think you're going to be the final girl and you get stabbed. After the two retreat to the chapel, Max tells Nancy that in the real world she is Max's mother. Nancy realizes that in order for Max to become the true final girl, she must sacrifice herself so there's only one virgin left. And the two bid each other a tearful farewell before Nancy lures Billy with a striptease of her own and is also killed. Let's talk about the song Betty Davis Eyes. Let's do that. Have you ever heard the song Betty Davis Eyes? You know, I feel like I was familiar with it, but I never actually listened to it. I feel like I had heard of it, but listening to it at the beginning of this movie... When it happens before the car wreck and the mom dies. Yeah. I went, this sounds like a song that you get when you can't afford a real song. Well, what's funny is like, I guess they reached out to Madonna and they wanted Like a Prayer. And she was like, you can use literally any song except Like a Prayer. And then they were like, well, then fuck you, Madonna. We're going to go with. They're treating it like Tenacious <laughs> D at the diner. Like, all oh, the characters. We don't have characters. Well, then I'll have well, nothing. have nothing. Yeah. Madonna offered any song they wanted. But what's up with like- that with Madonna? Like, what know. is her hold on Like a Prayer? <laughs> so instead they go with the 1981 Grammy Award winning Song of the Year and Record of the Year that literally no one has heard of since 1981. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a, a good... Kim Carnes. I had to Google it too, Brian. Thank you. Kim Carnes song. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I was looking at it and I still couldn't. I was like, I'm looking at a list of songs from this movie that I have in my notes and I was like... Uh, Betty Davis eyes, but isn't it Kim Carnes? <laughs> That's the right reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy that Wikipedia does note that Betty Davis eyes by Kim Carnes is in the key of F major. That's important information to have for someone somewhere. There is a 24 second audio sample on Wikipedia. Maybe they pulled that off of here and just like, <laughs> like off Wikipedia, we gave them the $3. <laughs> well, um, I read somewhere that they didn't even use, like, the single release version of the song. They used, like, like a sample of... With 2007 re-recording of it from Cleopatra Records that also Wikipedia had. It's a really short Wikipedia article, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost read it all. <laughs> Betty Davis' eyes. Who knew that would be the connecting thread of this movie? I mean, I did after the first scene where they leaned in real heavy to it, but... They were singing along like, we should know the words to this thing. Right? Like, they were, they were jamming. This is not like a Wayne's World Bohemian Rhapsody situation. No, no. And it's funny because they had other music that was recognizable in the movie. Like they, they used, did. They used Mickey and Lollipop to establish time frame, which was 
perfect. Agreed. Cherry Pie, Cruel Summer by Bananarama. You can't go wrong with some Bananarama. You can't? Little Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung. I mean, there was some good music in this movie. None of the aforementioned songs were on the soundtrack, by the way. <laughs> Including <laughs> Betty Davis Eyes. The song was of the movie. On, <laughs> That's was amazing. not on the soundtrack. <laughs> and the best part of the soundtrack, it was only released as a digital download. They still couldn't get the songs. <laughs> Unreal, man. This is a movie yeah. for sure. Betty Davis eyes. Malin Ackerman dances to it. I like watching her dance, and uh, we, we carry on with the movie, I guess. Yeah. She gets killed in a PG-13 way, just like everyone else. We'll get there. <laughs> Max collapses, but now as the final girl, she awakens with the power to kill Billy. They fight, and she eventually decapitates him with his own machete. There's lightning. It's a whole thing. They, they use Avengers angles. <laughs> they... Do Bef- I guess before Infinity War and Endgame came out? So, what kind of angles are they really? Well, they're clearly using. I gotta look up the guy's name. Todd Strauss Schulson angles, obviously, in Endgame and Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not a name that's sticking in my head. It's, not, it's the the full Strauss Schulson family. I have to apologize to because every time I need to know the name, I have to glance to the side too. Nothing in this movie is sticking. No. Nothing. A wounded Chris arrives and the two kiss while the credits for Camp Bloodbath play in the sky. And I think that's a neat touch. It is a neat touch. I look up and they see the credits rolling and they're like, we did it. And that's kind of like a fun victory that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Max wakes up to find herself in the hospital where she is reunited with her friends. The group hears Billy Murphy's approach tune, which is more of just like a ripoff of the, of the Jason sound. It's Halloween. Is it Isn't Halloween? It? Or is it Jason? I, I don't know. Was... I confuse all those. <laughs> Your good old oh, that's Friday the 13th. For sure. Oh, you know what it is? <laughs> Leprechaun was a good pull. I was going to go with Saw 6. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been that many Saws? I don't know. I stopped after the first one. The first one's good, though. It's got Carrie it Elwes in it. You can't go wrong with Carrie Elwes. <laughs> that classic sound from Happy Death Day to you. Exactly. I like that a bunch of the people that were previously killed are now alive again. And she's like, oh, good. Everything went back to normal. Well, Thomas Middle just like pulls up his shirt. He's like, no, 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 totally got a machete <laughs> wound. And then because he's Thomas Middle, he says, yeah, it was a real rusty knife. I didn't see a tetanus shot anywhere. I, I am years away from doing Middle Ditch and Swartz, and I need to work on my improv skills, obviously. <laughs> but they realize that they are in Camp Bloodbath 2, Cruel Summer. Billy crashes through the glass doors of the hospital. As the title appears and Max lunges at Billy. And that's the movie. That is the Final Girls 2015 directed by the guy who I have to keep looking up his name. And that's usually not a great sign. Famous director Todd Strauss-Schulson of Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas fame. This movie's totally fine. It is. It's a harmless movie in probably arguably too many ways. Yeah. In, in, at 91 minutes, I'm not upset about watching it. But it's a love letter to 80s slasher films. Yeah. As they said... On the poster for this movie, <laughs> in a quote from Sam Raimi. It's a good person to get a quote from. It is, but my biggest issue from it is that PG-13. Yeah, and that was mandated by Sony. They really wanted it to be an R-rated movie, but Sony was like, mm-mm-mm. Why not? I don't know. They I probably at one point planned on having a wide release because of this cast, and then they just went, you know what, never mind. It's not very good because we didn't get, let you go <laughs> rated R, so... We're just going to release this at Sundance and then see what happens. For story motivation, it's totally fine going to the movie type situation. I appreciate that they never figured out how to get out. No, I do like that. I'm going to go with five. Five? I'm, I want to go six. Done. Sold. Casting. It's good. It's actually it's way really better than this good. movie deserves. There are people in this movie, and that's yeah. weird to me. And Middle Ditch and Divine... Uh, Improv most of their scenes and absolutely sell it. Well, we know that they improv most of their scenes because I usually don't mind a blooper reel. And in this, I very much minded a blooper reel because this movie, yeah, had a blooper reel at the end of it. It sure did. And it was almost entirely Middle Ditch and Divine. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just them doing different takes of the things that they already said. It's all stuff that easily could have made the final cut to. All of it. Yeah. It's just like, look at how funny these guys are. We we wanted to put this in the movie, but, you know, it wouldn't have made sense to have two of the same scenes. So here it is at the end. What are we talking about? Cast. 
Yeah, it's great. It's like a, it's a good cast. It's probably an eight. Tell you the truth, it's way up there. I think you're right. You know what's cute? Uh, Chloe Bridges and Adam Devine met on this movie and then got married. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I that's love terrific. That. And she's barely in the movie. Yeah, they they spent so much time in that car together, dying that they just they fell for each other. It felt right when they crashed into that totem pole. <laughs> I mean, it always does. That's a good point. <laughs> that's an eight for casting. Let's talk about the protagonist, Max. I don't like her who's farted face. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. That's just her face, Dave. I know. But the thing is, is that she looks so much like her sister and her sister does the same thing. But so it's genetic. Also throws in acting. Like acting? No. Oh, like acting. Like proper acting. Vera Farmiga is a terrific actress. Oh, I wasn't sure which one we were talking about. Teisa Farmiga is here. She is like, hey, nepotism, am I right? It's sort of, kind of, I guess. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of hers in this. I've never seen her in anything else. I can't really judge all that much. I really like when she became a badass later on. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think she plays well as the virgin every girl of the movie. There's nothing spectacular about her until she becomes the final girl. Yeah, I think that might be right. That might be the right way to look at it. And, like, I don't want to hate on the poor girl. Like, Right? Her mom died. In a CGI car crash. Like, they're never going to recover those pixels, ever. I'll go with a seven. She has to rise up to the occasion eventually. I All guess. Right. A seven it is. It's not like a sacrifice because literally everyone sacrificed for her to become the final girl and then she did the thing and then they're in the sequel now. Yeah, she she literally let her mom die again so she could become the final girl. But it wasn't her mom. It was somebody who very much resembled her mom who she made eye contact with during a strip tease. And yeah, anyway. (laughs) Seven? Okay, seven. Sure. Uh, Antagonist. Is it Billy? It's got to be Billy Murphy, right? He's fine. He's kind of your slasher 80s type trope. There's nothing special yeah. about it. He, he has a he has a mask that resembles the, the very totem poles that were crashed into. One of the things I read was that there were many different versions of this mask, and one of them had really big eyebrows, and the cast and crew kept calling it the Eugene Levy mask, and I wish they used more of that one. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a three, but then a Eugene Levy bump to a four. I, I mean, that's canon on the show. We got to give the Eugene Levy bump. Have to. Four. I wonder if there is some sad son of a bitch out there who's keeping track of all the things we give bumps to. Um, if you are, please send us the list because I'm sure we're missing it We a need lot. the list. I can't remember any of this stuff anymore. It's not like the old Danny Elfman bump or anything like that. And even that's <laughs> questionable right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that's questionable. <laughs> Look, guys, we didn't know. This is me pulling the shoot <laughs> on a past bit. That one hurts, though. It does, but I mean, he, have you seen Danny Elfman lately? He looks like a Jack Chucky. It's weird. What do you mean lately? He's always looked like a weird Jack Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> He's always just been a weird dude. Not wrong. <laughs> What's the next category? I wasn't listening to you. Uh, screenplay, or should we say screenplay? No, I'm not happy about it. No, you shouldn't be. I'm glad you recognize that. <laughs> this movie gives itself its own out via Thomas Middleditch. Yeah. Because at one point during the whole Camp Bloodbath sequence he's going in, he's like, ha, terrible dialogue. And it's like, fuck you, Thomas Middleditch. You just gave this Damn movie it. its own ripcord. You can't do that. That's not fair at all. It's like, yeah, now anything that's bad is intentional. Beautiful. And in that case, I'm going to go with a six. Uh, <laughs> that feels about right. Yeah, it does. Style and tone. This movie needed to be rated R. Yeah, it really did. Uh, it's hard to do an homage to slasher fi- flicks and not be able to do the slasher parts. It's very confusing when you have characters like Blake, the black guy who dies, uh, the second black guy who dies. He gets stabbed, and I didn't realize he got stabbed yeah. for a while. Yeah. Because you don't see any violence in there's this movie. There's no gore. There's no there's nothing that lets you know, oh, this person is actually dying. You're relying entirely on the acting of some of these people who are this is probably their first and only movie. It's confusing more than anything because yeah. of the style and the tone. I'm going to go with a 2. I think it's two. it's terrible. You know, there was a, a nice silver lining about this movie. The Girl Scout camp where the bulk of the film was shot didn't have a cabin large enough to accommodate the camera crane required for the elaborate booby trap scene. So the crew had to erect the cabin from scratch, 
but there wasn't money in the budget to tear it down. So they built it structurally sound enough to be used by the camp after they left. Well, that's very sweet of them. Yeah, I thought that was nice. It has no bearing on the two for style and tone, but I thought it was nice. Fine, I'm glad you gave them props for their structural engineering of those grips. <laughs> I should have saved that for impact on the industry. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. What industry? The camping industry, you dickhead. That one I said Girl it. Scout camp. It had a huge impact on that Girl Scout camp. Uh, as somebody who used to camp at Camp Nobi Bosco in New Jersey, where they shot the original Friday the 13th, Ooh. Camp Crystal Lake, I can tell you. It kind of does have a bit of an impact. I bet it does. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Well, next category is director. Yeah, Todd Strauss Schultzman. Uh, Schultzman, I don't. Who, who gives a fuck, everybody? I like that you just said it like, yeah, I know it. I've been saying it this whole episode. I didn't I read it that time. I tried is. to go from the brain. And the brain right now is just, there's long drink flowing in the finished yeah. long drink. Also, I went to film school and I know how badly people want to show off when you put a camera in their hands. Oh, yeah. By making cameras flip for reasons? Some of the stuff they did in this movie was really cool, but then it was, like, totally unnecessary. <laughs> they call that egregious. Yeah, yeah. 100% egregious in most of the camera movements in this movie. I'm going to go with a three. Most of what they do is unnecessary. <laughs> uh, there was one part where they are just filming in a circle where the... Characters come from one side, they run off to the other, we flip around, we look at these two characters who are standing there talking, we go back and they run by again. They do it three times. They do, and I understood why they did it. It made sense why they did it, because they can't yeah. escape whatever loop they're in, but also that doesn't that reestablish the time loop? The it does. That's confusing. What it did I say confusing. I gave him? A two. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. Okay. I debated going lower. That's not good. It's it's yeah, I mean there's some neat things they do, but a lot of it is obvious CGI transitions. Yes. Absolutely. Does it have style and tone? Yes. Barely. Is it good? You know, maybe maybe watch and determine for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> was that style and tone or was that director again? Director. Doesn't director. matter. Oh, you know what? There was something I wanted to say back at screenplay. I'm, it's not going to affect the score at all, but it, it should be it's, it should be noted that Joshua John Miller, one of the writers of the screenplay, conceived the film uh, as a way of dealing with the death of his father, Jason Miller, who was Father Karras in The Exorcist. Well, all right. And he's like, there's something weird about being able to go back and watch a parent die over and over and over again. Now, that is a ridiculously interesting concept that I wish he put in a better movie. Yeah. Because that is a proper interesting idea that you want to explore. Yeah. Would have worked better in like a drama than a slasher parody. Sure. It's a <laughs> choice for sure. Uh, next up is music. Gregory James Jenkins did the score, and he was not the first composer attached to it, so apparently had to do a lot of it on the fly as scenes were being finished did fine. He did an all right it's job. It's not special. It, I couldn't hum a single note of this thing if you wanted me to, but it's all appropriate. No, no it's all it's all thematically appropriate, and it definitely, definitely has some little notes to other horror genre films, but I, I'm more interested in the decade-specific songs they pulled and the choices they made like Betty Davis. <laughs> I'm going to go with a four... I want to say five. Okay, I was leaning the five. The cherry pie bump. The cherry pie bump. That's fine. <laughs> or is it a banana rainbow pump? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Angela Trimber dancing to cherry pie, ridiculously high on Adderall, is a treat. It is, yeah. You know what? The cherry pie and banana rainbow bump. You have to have both to get the full bump. That's a five. Fair enough. It's a bump that I doubt will ever show up again. <laughs> but it would be great if it did. Box office. Uh, this movie allegedly cost $6,538,513 to make, and then it was never theatrically released, so we don't have any data about how much money it made. That sounds like a zero, doesn't it? Well, not necessarily. So if a movie breaks even, we usually give it a three. Do you think it broke even? I would imagine in the Amazon streaming realm, it probably eventually broke even. Okay, so two. Let's go with a two. I'm not we'll going to allow it to break even. We're not going to give you credit for breaking even if we can't prove it. I'm not a fan of gatekeeping, but 
God damn it, I'm gonna gatekeep here. This is this is one gate that's getting kept. That's right. Uh the final category is impact on the industry. None? It's gotta be a zero, right? It has to be. I mean, Adam Divide and Chloe Bridges, though. And that girl scout. Do they family. have children? If they have children, we're gonna give them one point for every child. Oh man. Is that fair? I think it is. It appears as though they have zero children. That's not great. I tried, man. I tried. We, we tried. We tried. This is the part where I feel like Adam Devine would like pop out and be like, I only do butt stuff. That is such an Adam Devine joke. You're not wrong. It's a zero. It has to be. I tried, and it didn't work out. We did zero. everything we could to give them some sort of bump. The baby bump, if you will. And um, ah, that is a zero. That's going to give the final girls a final score of 42, which is entirely too high, I think. But I also didn't hate it. So you say it's too high, you think. But I can tell you that this is one of those times where we've almost never been safer from having to pound our beers. Oh, okay. Because on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is a 74. Wow. fresh. And the audience score is a 71. What? So we didn't like this thing a lot more than most people. What did we miss? There must have been some subtext or something that just flew over my head. It's a genre we don't really play around in all that much. We got angry that it wasn't rated R because this needed to be rated R. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. There's probably a lot of winks and nods that we didn't pick up on because we're not totally engrossed in the the genre. Sure. That would have given it a nice little bump. A 30-point bump? I don't know, but... (laughs) Enough of a bump. Sure. <laughs> so that was the final girls. And next week, Brian, uh, why don't you tell everybody what we messed up? Somehow uh, in our scheduling, <laughs> we managed to um, miss a week in August and still not adjust for that. Right. So the summer's a really busy time. And yeah, summer's the crazy. Dates kind of just blend together. Yesterday was literally Y2K. Chris Jericho turned the computer off at midnight. We talked about that. Exactly. So typically, the audience pick comes out the last week of the month, which, as you can tell, listen to this, it has not. So because Brian extended his vacation by a week and fucked up our entire schedule, it's my fault. We said we were going to do two audience picks in August. But because me and Brian are also stupid people, August is going to be entirely oops all audience picks. We're doing an oops all audience picks for August. August is all coming from you, the audience. It is officially audience week month. No, I, no, what? I tried. What? I, I saw your face make motions, and I actually thought you were stroking out. August and audience are so close that I want to make you them into one thing. You want to make thing. it work. I get it. I want to make audience a thing, but... <laughs> We can make it a thing. It's one of those, like, it's so bad, it's good. Welcome to audience. So, Brian, next week's going to be our first audience pick of audience. Nope, doesn't <laughs> work, Brian. I tried it. I it's took it for right on the block, and I hated it. It's not great. All audience August. Next week, Brian, hit us up with week number one. What are we going to be talking about? And Brian is picking them right off the list right now. Brian goes on random.org, literally picks the number out and that's what we do so this is it's weird and it's scary because <laughs> there's like be anything 50 movies on the list right now and it could be anything so our first movie for audience yeah i'm leaning in i'm not letting it go <laughs> oh so gross is coming to us from michael carlstrom it is going to be <gasps> the princess bride it's a movie he's been asking for for forever and it's for one so i wanted to talk about time. for forever and carrie elwis How did you get double dipped into this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Of all the references. Weird. And now next week, watch. Next week, we're talking liar, liar. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is happening? (laughs) Uh, You're scared of the claw, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Following week, it's Saw, who's scared of the claw. (laughs) Is it audience or is it just... (laughs) Next week, we are finally talking about the Princess Bride. Inconceivable. No, totally. It's totally conceivable. We're doing it. It is. It, that's exactly what It is 100% happened. conceivable. <laughs> Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and uh, send us your movie suggestions for the entire month because it's going to get crazy up in audience. I hate it, but I'm starting to love it, which is weird. 
I don't know if I need to use it for audience in place of audience or in place of August. So I'm just doing it for both. And that's going to make it even more confusing. You know what? You do you, boo. You do you. And our patrons, of course, get double picks. So sign up for our Patreon. Uh, This month, we did a commentary for the movie Spy Hard. A lot of fun. So much fun. Uh, I love doing those, those commentaries. And I found it a little more difficult to do with a movie I'd never seen before. So, you know, that adds a whole extra layer to it. You live and learn, buddy. Yeah. You can email us your picks or send your questions and comments to BRMEMoviePod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on our social media, uh, at BRMEMoviePod on X. <laughs> I hate that even more than audience. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking terrible. Uh, we'll see how much longer we're on on the artist formerly known as Twitter. At BRMEMovie is everywhere else, um, like Instagram, Facebook, etc. You can you can find all those links on BRMEMoviePod or BRMEMovie.com. That's what it is. That's or what it is. If you're one of these fancy new kids who likes your link trees, linktree.com slash beer me movie. There you go. And of course, on Facebook, we always put up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments. We got, I don't want to say so many, but we got plenty. Good enough. One. Jeff Miners wrote and he said, so as of this recording, what was the last thing you watched? Brian, what was the last thing you watched? The last movie I watched? Barbie. That's fantastic. Uh, last thing I watched was a uh, Russian anti-war movie called Come and See from 1985, which is typically one of the scariest movies uh, of all time. And I will agree, because it's fucking horrifying. Thanks, Criterion Channel. Thank you. <laughs> but Jeff wants to know, who was the main character? Whoever that character was, they're coming to save you. Are you saved or screwed? I'm so saved. Are you getting Margot Robbie as Barbie is coming to save me? Nothing could go wrong. I'm so screwed. Like, I've never been more screwed. So, there you go. That was a fun question. I like that. Donnie! He's in his element, especially with this one, because he's a horror film nerd, and I love him so much for it. He asked, which, if any, slasher film do you think you could survive? Okay, uh, I have an answer for this. Go ahead. Any movie where there's, like, an enchanted thing that you have to just not watch. Like, The Ring. Just don't watch the movie, you survive. Whatever that stupid cell phone app one is, don't install the app and you live. I'm surviving those 100% of the time. So basically, if somebody had a VHS tape and they just put a sticker over it that said, Pulp Fiction, Brian has never seen it. <laughs> Brian is going to live for forever. He's probably immortal in that yeah. film universe. Witness me. That's a terrific answer. <laughs> I'm probably going to say I survived uh, The Exorcist just because atheist. I don't believe it. Therefore, uh, I'm good. <laughs> Can't possess me if I don't believe in you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really, you're, you're tempting something there. That's more nihilistic than anything. But yeah. That's fine. I'm good. I'm alive. Donnie had a backup question, and I feel like we absolutely should give him two because he is kind of our horror buddy. It's it, This is his wheelhouse. <laughs> he asked, what was the first horror movie you remember watching that actually scared you? And mine... 100% is The Exorcist. Mine would be uh, Friday the 13th. How cool would it have been if you just stopped at Friday? <laughs> Mine was Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's freaky, all right? It said it in the title. No, Friday the 13th. I was probably only seven when I saw it, six or seven. There's a lot of those classic slashers that I haven't seen. Yeah. Being completely honest, it's just a genre that I've never... I think Wes Craven's it. New Nightmare was the first of the Freddy movies I ever saw. And I was missing a lot of context. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Last question I have, Mike Lanham. Remember him from the King Kong episode? Remember that boy? Hey, I remember I remember Mike. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. He wrote it and he said, horror final girls that you expected great things from and never really came to fruition. And he put a question mark at the end of it. Therefore, it became a question, I guess. Yeah. If you, if you put a question mark at the end, it's a question. <laughs> He said, um, I invested all my stock in Rebecca Gayhart, and that never really worked out for me. So here's what I'll say. I don't know many because I'm not a, you know, a student of the genre, but I always expected bigger things out of Jamie Lee Curtis. It's funny you should say that. I always thought we were going to get more into Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yeah, you know, those two could have been so much bigger, but... Could have been real disappointments all around. Yeah. What are you going to do? Hollywood's a, a doggy dog world, and sometimes some people just don't make it. Yeah. 
And it's real unfortunate, but it is. Sometimes it bees like that. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Get your picks in for I can't do it. I can't say audience. I can't audience. do it. Straight, it's all audience August because we fucked up too hard this time to fix it. Get your picks <laughs> in. Submit them on Facebook, on Twitter X, or whatever that bullshit is. Fuck threads. I don't know. Wherever you can find us, submit. We're not on threads yet because I haven't figured out how to do multiple profiles. But we will be. We'll get there when we get there, when everyone else gets there, because apparently that's just not a thing. But that's okay. We'll get there. Submit your picks. Thank you, everybody. Brian, you got anything else? Yeah. Uh, pay attention to when you get your movie picked, because we're going to be rolling all audience long. So you got to replace your picks and sign up for Patreon so you get two. There you go. Brian's saying you got a chance for multiple picks. So get them in. And that's it for me. Fantastic. Next week, we are finally talking about The Princess Bride. We'll see you then.